Good morning. Happy Mother's Day. If, uh, if you are a mom here and you're expecting me to do a Mother's Day sermon that makes a big deal about you, I'm not really going to apologize, but I'm not going to do that. I think the best thing I can do for you, the best gift I can give to you, is to make a big deal about Jesus. That is what you need. And so, uh, happy Mother's Day. We're going to look at Matthew 13, um, verses 1 through 9, and then also verses 18 to 23. In, in chapter 12 of Matthew, Jesus has been encountering some resistance. Um, and uh, up until that point, people have been flocking to him and gathering around him. And, uh, and now all of a sudden in chapter 12, some of the religious experts are kind of taking a stance against him. They're trying to trap him. Um, they are accusing him of... Uh, basically uh, serving Satan and uh, partnering with the devil. And they're making plans to destroy him. And so, although some people are getting it, his message, and they're, and they're gathering around him, there are other people who just aren't getting it at all. And so in chapter 13, we see a little bit of a shift, and he starts to, to teach in parables. He starts to use stories that maybe are not that clear to some people. But, uh, and one of the reasons he does this, I think he, he veils the message to those who aren't getting it. But then he also encourages others who are interested, who are eager to learn more about what he's saying, to lean forward and, and kind of find out more about what he's really saying. And, and he's, he's also making that invitation to every single one of us here to lean forward to receive what he wants to, to give us. So listen to God's word as I read from Matthew 13. Um, this is the first parable that he uses in the book of Matthew, and it's the parable of the sower. You guys might be familiar with it, probably are. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna read the section where he tells the parable, and then I'm gonna skip to the section where he explains the parable, okay? So listen to God's word as I read. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea, and great crowds gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach, and he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. I'm going to skip forward to verse 18 where he explains it. He says, hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit 
and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another 60, and in another 30. This is God's word. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you would help us now. Um, Each of us has come here this morning from different circumstances and is facing different things in our lives. And, And what we need is for you to speak into our lives. So Father, we pray that your spirit would speak through your word now and that your word would take root in our hearts and it would truly bear fruit. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. I am confident, I am certain, that there isn't a plant on earth that I am incapable of killing. I mean, several people have given me plants to put in my office, and pretty much without exception, they're all dead within a week or two. Uh, We get poinsettias, you know, at Christmas, at Advent, we put them up here. If I am in any way involved with trying to take care of those, which I often am, you'll notice that those things are like, for the first week of Advent, they're already like withering and there's leaves on the ground. Um, there's actually been, somebody actually gave me a, a plant one time that you, you can't really kill. Like it doesn't need much water and things like that. It wasn't a cactus, but it was like, it was something that, that was very, very strong and sturdy. And, and that in a month, it was dead. It was dead. I, I mean, feel free to try to give me a cactus if you want, but I'm, I'm certain I'm, I'm probably going to destroy that thing as well. Like no matter what, I am, I'm just like, I have a talent for it. I, and I, I think the, the, the issue is, one of the issues is that I, I'm just not motivated to take care of plants that much. I, and the reason is because I don't really have a vision for what the plant could really be, for how the, the plant could really beautify my surroundings or my office. I don't have a vision for the glory and the beauty of the plant. And so I'm just not that motivated and it, it quickly dies. That's the story. So one of the things Jesus is doing with this parable right here, it's a parable of the sower, where the sower goes out and he sows seed, right? And, and one of the things he's doing is he's explaining to them why some people are getting his message and other people aren't, okay? As you've gotten into, as I said, we've gotten into Matthew 12 and he's gotten resistance. There's some guys who just like, it, it seems obvious he's doing these miracles, like how, how can they miss it? And yet they're not getting it. And so the, one of the reasons he, he tells this parable is to say this is why some people aren't getting it, okay? But I think another reason he tells this parable is because he wants to create in us a longing for a life that is fruitful, He wants to create in us a a desire to have a life that produces fruit and that is glorious in the fruit that it produces. And I'll just want to just point out to you, at the end of the the parable in verse 8, he says, other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain. And then he says, some a hundredfold, some 60, some 30. And, and as you read that, that probably doesn't really make a, you know, a big impact on us. But, but back in the Roman Empire, if you were a farmer and you sowed seed, a successful crop, like a, a successful return on the seed that you threw out there, is if you got 10 times the amount back, okay? So, so successful gathering in, a successful crop, is, is if they get tenfold of what they throw out there. And so Jesus says, um, if, if this seed falls on good soil, it's going to produce 
a hundredfold. That's a supernatural production of fruit, right? Even 60, even 30 is amazing. And so when, when people heard him saying that parable, their, their ears would have perked up immediately. They would have been like, that seems like a lot. That's a lot. That's a supernatural amount of fruit. And Jesus, I think, is encouraging. As the people hear this parable, they're like, well, I, I want a life that, that is that productive. I want a life that is that fruitful. I want a life that, that is that beautiful. You know, he's, it's, it's as if, you know, this is Mother's Day, right? It's as if I, I said, okay, if you take, I, I brought some seeds to church and I give you these seeds. I was like, if you take these seeds, you know, for your mom and, and you plant, you know, just a couple seeds outside your house, eventually what's going to happen is these seeds are going to produce this like huge wall of flowers all the way around the house. Do you think your mom would enjoy that? Just this beautiful, glorious bed of flowers around the entire house with just a couple seeds. I mean, I would guess you would probably want to do that. I would guess that you would think your mom would enjoy that, right? Um, and that's what Jesus is saying. He's trying to say, look, you have an opportunity to experience fruitfulness and beauty in your life that you cannot even imagine. You know, those who are moms here this morning, I know that one of the things that you, the thing that you long for in your life is fruitfulness in the lives of the people you love, in the lives especially of your kids, right? Um, what I, I'm guessing, what you wouldn't give to know that, that God could, through you, produce all sorts of kind of flowers and beauty in the lives of your family and in the lives of the people that you care for and love, right? And so this is what Jesus is offering here. This is what Jesus is encouraging us to long for here. And so the question is, how do we get there? How do we experience this, this kind of fruitfulness in our lives? You know, and, and, and the fruitfulness, I think, that he's talking about, it's, it's, it's a fruitfulness of, of experiencing God and his presence and power. It's, it's a fruitfulness of, of, a, a strength, of being strengthened and encouraged, of the people around us being strengthened and encouraged. It's the, it's the fruitfulness of having spiritual, emotional health in our lives. It's, it's a, the fruit of, of growth of character, you know, the fruit of the spirit, love, more love in your life, more joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. It's these things just like overflowing. Do you want that? This is where we, how we need to pursue it. This is what we need. First, you need soil. You need soil to begin with. In verse four, he said that some seed fell along the path, right? And birds came and devoured the seed. And then he interprets this in verse 19, where he says, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what is sown along the path. And I, I think the, what he's talking about here is, is there, there has to be at least some soil. There, in, in other words, there has to be at least some sort of willingness to hear what he has to say. Some sort of willingness to engage with what Jesus is offering. It just has to be a, you know, some sort of willingness. The stuff that falls on the path, there's no soil for the seed to grab onto at all, right? And so that may refer to you this morning. If, if you are here because... Um, I don't want to say you were dragged here by someone else, but it is Mother's Day. Maybe you're here just to be, because you wanted to make somebody else happy. 
but you're not really interested in actually considering that Jesus wants to say something to you. Um, maybe your parents brought you this morning and uh, you, know, you didn't fight them, but the only reason you're here is because your parents brought you. Um, and you're not really ready to, to actually listen, willing to listen to what God wants to say. Um, the only way that you m have any hope of experiencing the fruitfulness and the beauty and the glory that Jesus offers is number one, just to, to, to be willing to engage with the fact that God wants to say something to you. That Jesus has something to say to you this morning, okay? If you're not willing to even, in, you know, recognize that, that something that God might say here is relevant, then you're going to miss out. You will miss out on something not that, that'll give you, you know, warm, good feelings today, but something that will transform your entire life. Second, you need depth. You need depth. And verse 5 says, The other seed fell along rocky ground where there wasn't much soil. Right? It sprang up, but then withered and died because there was no depth or root. It had no depth in verse 5. right? And then Jesus says that this is the person who receives the word with joy, but then quickly falls away because life gets hard, because they're persecuted, because they face pain and struggle, because other, they face, you know, resistance to what Jesus might say. They face resistance. Um, and I think that, that's, that's, that, that might describe you. If, if you're a person who, um, you know, generally you, you come to church and, and you find, you're like, yeah, it's, uh, that message was encouraging. I enjoyed that. But then you just kind of like go out the doors and you're like, I'm ready for lunch at the diner. And, you, and you're not ready, to, you know, you, you just kind of move on with life. What Jesus says is, is, is for the seed to grow roots and, and to grab a hold onto something in your heart so that it's, it's not easily removed, we need to give it depth. We need to give space for the roots to grow. So what could that possibly mean? I think one, one thing that, that that could mean is that we need to just move beyond just like coming to church to be um, entertained or inspired or moved. You know, to, to, to be like, oh, that was interesting. You know, whether it's because I or somebody else up here might tell some kind of moving story or movie illustration, or because we might say something really interesting that you've never heard, for, heard about from like the, the original language of the Bible, you know. We need to move beyond that and be willing to, to, to make space in our lives. What does it mean to make space in our lives for the truth of God? It means it, it takes time. It takes attention. It says, you know, as I, as I walk out of here after church, it's, 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 it's a commitment to say, I'm going to continue thinking about this. I'm going to continue thinking about what does it mean to be good soil? What does it mean to actually um, be soil that is deep, a, a place that is receptive for God's truth to grow roots and grab a hold of my heart? What does that mean? How do I live my life in a way that's receptive to what God wants to say? It, it's, it's kind of moving throughout life, working to make space, more space for God to speak, for God to, to work on my heart and my mind with his truth. Um, it, it might you know, be a commitment to trying to memorize a Bible verse. Now, how many of you guys have, have tried to do that? I know I've encouraged us to do that before. 
But I mean, one of the greatest ways to, to make space in your heart for the roots of God's truth is, is to actually try to memorize just even a simple verse. It's just kind of like so that you're thinking about it throughout the day, you know? Um, that's how we get an opportunity for the roots to grow. I, th- I think that the challenge for a lot of us is that the, the message of Jesus might be attractive to us. Maybe it makes sense. Maybe it rings true. Maybe it draws us to it. But unless we are actually intentionally making space for the truth of God in our lives to, to work on our hearts, when things get hard, when things don't go the way that we want them to, that truth is just going to be immediately you know, ripped out. And it's not going to have the opportunity to bear fruit, to bear the fruit that Jesus promises. So we need soil, we need depth, and the, the third thing we need to be committed to is weeding. We need to be you know, committed to weeding out stuff in our lives. Um, Jesus says in verse six, the other seed fell among the thorns and the thorns grew up and choked them. And then in verse 22, he explains that the thorns are what? The cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches, right? As I've already admitted, I'm not, you know, the most, uh, the person with the, the, the greenest thumb in the world, right? Um, and you would also notice this if you ever come into my house and look at my lawn. Um, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm embarrassed by my lawn. My lawn is just, it's just a mess. Um, as we've lived there, as we've lived at our house for now, it's, it's been like 12 years, 13 years now. The lawn's just gotten worse and worse and worse every year. I noticed a few years ago that there's like this brown patch that all of a sudden showed up. And then two, that was three years ago. Then two years ago, that brown patch was like three times the size it was the year before. And I actually tried to put some like stuff down, you know, fertilizer. And I'm just, I don't know if I'm putting it at the wrong time or putting the wrong stuff down. If anybody has some advice, I could use it. Because if, if I don't get some help, I'm not expecting people to do my lawn for me. Just, you know, tell me what I need to do. If I don't get some help, that place is going to be a barren wasteland <laughs> in, in just like a few more years. Like when you pull into our driveway, there's just going to be like a tumbleweed going to like <laughs> go across the driveway. What's that? Dry <laughs> Something to think about. Thank you, Andy. So I, I need help, right? And, and, and I'm, I'm not able to, uh, I'm, I'm in my ability, I'm, I'm not able to really cause the, the, the grass to grow like I know it can. As I look around, I'm so envious. That's one thing I notice when I drive around is people's lawns that are like really nice and green and thick and healthy looking. Um, we, we were, I was driving um, across the country last week and we stopped in Harrisonburg, Virginia, I, went, I used to go to school at James Madison. So we stopped at James Madison and I walked around the campus and they've built all sorts, of, all sorts of stuff since I went there. It's way bigger. But the thing that I noticed more than anything else is how incredible the grass was. Like, it was like thick. It was like a vibrant green color and it was like soft. I just wanted to like take my shoes off and run around, you know, like with the Sound of Music soundtrack behind me or something. I don't know. You know, run around in my bare feet in the grass. It would have been awesome. But this is what I, this is what I think about when I, like, drive around. I, I'm, I'm just so envious of, of grass that, that's incredible because mine's awful. But the thing is, grass doesn't get that way without giving it real attention, right? You have to be committed to getting rid of the weeds, to getting rid of the, the bad stuff, and encouraging the good stuff to grow. 
And, and I think that's one of the things he is, Jesus is highlighting here is that as we take in what Jesus wants to say and as we take in the truth of what God wants to say to us, one of the challenges, one of our issues is that we have a lot of potential thorns and weeds that are growing up in our lives. And, and the specific things he says are the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of wealth, the deceitfulness of riches, right? Um, so many of us are, are just, we, we have so many things to preoccupy our minds and hearts, things that we're worried about, things that we're anxious about, things that we're afraid of, um, painful things that people that we love are going through, problems that we're facing at work and in our homes. These things just like are, are just calling for our attention constantly, right? And, and also the things that we want, that we think are gonna make us happy, the deceitfulness of riches, the, all, all of the things that, that the world promises. It says, you know, if you, if you have enough of this, then you will be happy, Right? If you have enough money, if you have enough gadgets and things, if you have a, a, a big enough house, if, if you have the, the certain car, even if, if, if you have you know, just the, the, the certain people liking you, you know, these are the things that are going to make you happy. These are the things that are going to make you rich. Pleasures, physical pleasure. Um, these are the things that are going to make us rich, right? And yet... Jesus says, you know, these are the things, as, as, as they preoccupy us, they, they pull the truth of God away from our hearts, right? And so what do we need to do? We need to be committed to, to weeding these things out. We need to be committed to weeding these things out. And, and the thing that I want to point out is, why do these things choke out the truth of God? And I would say the reason is because the cares of the world tempt us to believe that God isn't going to take care of us. That's the issue. When we are preoccupied with the cares of the world, you know, we're worried about doing this, we're worried about making sure we're gonna be okay. What that is challenging us to believe is that God is really the one who is, ultimate, is in ultimate control and that God can actually take care of me, okay? And so I need to fight this battle. I need to fight the battle of, of, of the, the temptation. As, as I deal with all of these things that I'm worried about, I need to fight the temptation to doubt that God is gonna take care of me and is gonna take care of me in the midst of all those things. And as far as the deceitfulness of riches, those things are gonna tempt me to believe that God isn't gonna be enough for me. You know? That's what all those, all those things promise me. They're deceitful, they, they promise me. Like if, if I have a big enough savings account, then I'm gonna be safe and secure and at peace and happy. But that's simply not the case. Only God can give us that. Only God can be enough for us in that sense. He's the only one that's really going to make us safe and secure and happy. And so the way that we weed these, our, our life and the way that we get rid of the weeds in our life is we need, to, we need to identify these things that are tempting us to believe that God is not going to take care of us and that God is not enough for us because he is. I mean, that's what the heart of the gospel is. One of the things that's at the core of the gospel, God says, I am going to take care of you. I am enough for you. In me, you have greater riches than you could have, ever have anywhere else. And so we need to be committed to weeding, to identifying those things, the cares of the world, the, the, the deceitfulness of riches, and, and saying, no, these things aren't going to take care of me. These things aren't going to say that I'm, I'm going to be okay. It's only God alone that's going to give me those things. Lastly, what I need if, if I, I want a life that is bursting with fruitfulness is seed. 
And some of you guys are probably saying, maybe everybody's saying, thank you, Captain Obvious, right? You need seed if you want fruit. You need seed if you want fruit. I mean, that's, uh, but think about, um, as we think about trying to be people who want to bear fruit, who want to have positive things happening in the lives of the people we love, if we want to have uh, the power of God being displayed in my life and in the lives of the people I love, um, the temptation is to think that I, I need to create all of that <laughs> by trying really hard. But the reality is, what, when Jesus tells this parable, what, what is our role? Our role is to, is to be dirt, <laughs> is to receive what Jesus is giving us, right? When he says the sower went out to sow, Jesus is the sower, right? The seed, what is the seed? The seed is the message of the kingdom, the seed is, is the message of Jesus. The seed is the message of the grace of God given to us. It's the seed that has the power to bring life to us, right? It's the seed that has the power to grow and bear fruit. It's not me trying really hard to bear the fruit. It's Jesus living in me. It's what Jesus promises to do for me. The seed is what Jesus refers to in, uh, in John chapter 12. Um, in John chapter 12, Jesus is talking and, and he, he, he talks about a seed having to die in order to bear fruit. Of course, we know that, that a seed isn't really dead as it is. It's, it's got life in it and everything like that. He wasn't teaching like a botanical lesson here. He was teaching a lesson about the kingdom, about his own life. That for a seed to become a plant and to bear fruit, it has to sacrifice itself as a seed, right? And that is exactly what Jesus does for us. He's comparing the seed dying to his own life when he's talking to his disciples and saying, in order for you to experience life and fruitfulness, you're going to have to experience it through me dying for you. Through me sacrificing myself for you. That is where we find life. That is the seed. That is the message of the kingdom that Jesus has come to give himself, to sacrifice himself for us. As we see the gift of Jesus, as we receive the sacrifice of Jesus, that is where we find security and knowing that God has forgiven us and that he loves us and that he's going to take care of us. It's in, G it's in God's love for us through the sacrifice of Jesus that we find that, that that is where we have riches beyond anything we could ever imagine that will sustain us every single day of our lives. That will sustain us in the midst of tribulation, of hardship, of pain, in the midst of, of things that are going to fight against us. It is the, the seed is the message of the kingdom. It is Jesus himself. And so we need to cultivate a life. If we, if we want fruit, if we want fruitfulness, we want to cultivate a life where we're making space to receive Jesus on a daily basis. To receive his love for us, to, to, to live in relationship to him. We need to, to do what, what we often say. We need to learn to preach the gospel to ourselves every day of our lives, multiple times. To preach the message of the kingdom that I am way more sinful than I would you know, like to admit. And yet, because of Jesus and through Jesus, God loves me more than I can imagine. We need to, we need to make room for that message to, to take hold and to, and to give us security and peace and joy. That's where the fruit of the Spirit actually comes from, is experiencing that message 
That is the seed that will give us life and that will produce fruit. And one last word of warning. Um, Jesus promises miraculous growth and he promises fruit if we will receive the message of the kingdom, if we will receive the seed of the kingdom, if we will, we will receive Jesus himself. We all have a tendency to uh, want instant gratification. We want things to happen tomorrow. Actually, I'd rather it happen today. But when you talk about things growing from seed to plant and to flower and to tree, right, um, that is an image of something that does not happen overnight. It doesn't happen overnight, right? Does Jesus ever promise a time frame here when he says it's gonna produce a, 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 fr- a fruit that is 100-fold, 60-fold, 30-fold? He never says it's gonna happen tomorrow. This is a lifelong process. And it's tempting for us sometimes to be like, well, I'm not seeing the, the, the incredible, glorious fruit that God said he was gonna give me right now. I'm not seeing it tomorrow, so it must not be true. You guys, the... Jesus' words do not disappoint us. He's not lying. The fruit will come. We need to be patient. And we need to make space for him. And we need to continue to weed out these other things. And we will see it. Some of the most striking and beautiful trees in the world um, are, are trees that have taken years and years and years to grow, right? You talk, look at the redwoods in California. They, they're like 100 years old. There's, a, there's this ginkgo tree in China. That's, uh, you may have seen pictures of it, but it's, but it's like, it, it's got these incredible, vibrant yellow leaves, like so many of them. And every year they all fall and the whole ground is just blanketed with this like incredible color, you know? And that tree is like over 1,400 years old. It took 1,400 years to become what it is. There's a sequoia in California. Um, that's like, it's supposedly the, 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 the tallest, I guess, one um, stem organism or whatever in the world. And it's, it's taken like 2,400 years, people estimate. 2,400 years to grow that thing. Jesus promises us a life of beauty and glory, a life of fruit. But it's going to take time. It's going to take time and it's going to take a, a willingness to, to faithfully engage with what Jesus says and with who he is and to count on him, to rely on him, to produce something glorious. So let's do that. Let's commit to doing that today. I challenge you to commit to doing that today. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you would help us um, as we think about your promise here that if we are good soil, if we are willing to, to make space to, be, to create depth for your, the, your roots, the roots of the gospel, the roots of your message and of your truth to grow in our hearts, that there will be, there will be something beautiful that results um, we pray, Father, that, that there would not be a single person here that will miss out on that promise. Father, we pray that you would help us um, to hear your words and to receive them. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.
we now have an opportunity to meet Jesus at the Lord's table. And this is a place where we can uh, 